Welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today we have the pleasure of speaking with Brad Shepard. Uh, Brad has been involved in commercial real estate for over 20 years, uh, along with his own rental portfolio and a handful of house flips. His experience includes development and management of retail and hospitality space and raising capital from domestic and international investors. He's been exclusively focused on capital raising for commercial syndications since 2017. And his website is sugarhouseinvestments.com. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Eric. I'm excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about kind of like your journey. How did you decide to, you know, why why choose commercial real estate and syndication? Why not some, there's so many other ways to make money in real estate uh, or in the world in general. Uh, so why why choose commercial real estate? It, it, I, I do have a little bit of a long and, and winding journey. So I'll give you the, the short version, uh, but you're right. That's one of the great things that I love about real estate. There are so many different ways you can make money in real estate. And there are some very brilliant people in real estate, of course, but it's the place where I see like people of average intelligence have the best shot of, of making a good amount of money. It's, I call it the great equalizer. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it's very simple. Business model is pretty easy to understand. Exactly. At, it, simple, right? at its core. I mean, sure, you can get into some you know complicated yeah. calculations, but at its core, it's really simple. You've got to place the people... You know, you, you have an attractive place that somebody needs to live in or, you know, run a business out of and you charge the money for doing so. Yeah. And that's it. You know, so it, it's nuts and bolts. It's pretty simple. Um, so I actually went to uh, to college for with a finance major focused on commercial real estate. So I did my uh, my college internship with a large commercial uh, real estate developer and a financier up in Seattle. It was a blast. So, so that summer, you know, they basically gave me a spreadsheet to work on for a summer, but I got to go out to see different projects that they were working yeah. on. They, you know, we're wheeling and dealing in skyscrapers and shopping malls domestically and internationally. I had a blast. Yeah. I came back from that internship and, you know, life took me a different path. So I ended up, you know, not doing, not pursuing that path as a full-time career right out of college. But I stayed with a little small company in uh, in the town where I where, where, where my college was based, and as we that co that company progressed, we actually had the ability to start doing some real estate deals. Started mm -hmm. doing some vacation rentals, and this is back before there was such a thing as an Airbnb or yeah. VRBO. Um, we had an opportunity to, to to build a hotel, and we had to raise capital to do so. As part of that hotel, there was a, a hospitality and cafe. Go beyond the hospitality, there was a cafe and retail element to it as well. Yeah. Uh, and so when I left that company, uh, that was, you know, after nine years of being with them as a partner there, um, we moved to Austin, Texas. That's where I started doing some more of the, you know, traditional active deals like fix and flips and wholesales. And I started doing that and realized, man, that this is awful. <laughs> I really don't like this. I don't like this idea of yellow letters and knocking on people's doors and chasing foreclosures and, you know, dealing with the contractors and picking out paint and tile colors. And so, you know, the light bulb finally dawned on me again, like, okay, commercial, commercial. So I started looking at the idea of syndicating my own deals and looking, knocking down some of the large apartment complexes. And in that process, as I started building relationships with, with brokers and operators, I learned of this need for capital raising. 
people bringing dollars to these commercial syndications rather than competing with these operators I could uh, could buddy up with them and so that's where I uh, really latched on to in 2017 and have found a great you know an op- avenue for me there to participate and work with experienced successful operators and bring in retail investors who are successful in their own right running their own businesses you know, running their own professional services operations, whatever they're doing, who want to participate in real estate, but don't want the hassle of the day-to-day operations. And so bringing those two parties together is where I sit and it's been really fun. And commercial syndications, again, it's, it's a, it's an, it's an easy get apartment complexes. We've all lived in one. It's easy to understand storage sheds. We've all seen them. If we haven't used one, you get the idea. So these are pretty easy concepts for the most, for, you know, the average retail investor to, understand and it's um it's been fun to see their their increase in popularity over the last several years as well so that's where i sit and that's a little bit of my winding journey mm-hmm. yeah i mean this is uh that's why i call it like the great equalizer i mean this is like with you don't need to be uh you know the smart smartest light bulb in the right town to to figure it out i mean it's a house or it's a building and you you rent it out so i think it's this is great and right. um, and on top of that, it's also a very good investment uh, compared to all the other alternatives. I think, especially in this environment with high inflation, I, and you're comparing with uh, you know stock market, for example. I was looking on your website that you had an article comparing stock market investing, the challenges there, and the uh, and comparing that with real estate investing. And uh, maybe you want to talk a little bit about that, about kind of like how the numbers work out uh, a little bit better in favor of, uh, I, I would say a lot better in favor right. of real estate. Where, where, you know, in real estate, we talk about that equalizer. I mean, that just doesn't exist in the stock market. When you've got these companies that spend billions of dollars to be, you know, when they're, when they're talking about nanoseconds and who has the fastest fiber optic connection to the trade center, because um, they're, you know, they're, and all their trades are done automatically via these bots that are, you know, analyzing worldwide data real time. The average Joe, I mean, you just can't compete against those firms. And so then we're told, just go buy some index funds, right? And yeah. that's all you got. <laughs> And when, you know, know, we've seen all this volatility over the last couple of years of these meme stocks, these astronomical rises that get driven by Reddit forums. And yeah, man, if you can catch one of those waves, great. But man, that's, I mean, talk about speculative. Um, The the, the margin calls, the the short squeezes that were happening. uh, And then, you know, over the last year, I mean, I do have a little bit of money in the stocks and it, I mean, got hammered just like everybody else. And I just do index funds because I know I don't have any advantages there so you're smart yes (laughs) (laughs) that's what warren buffett said i said you know if you don't if you think you know how to pick a stock then you don't know how to pick a stock (laughs) yeah because you don't have any advantages you just you know index funds make the most sense for the average investor but then you're just you're at the mercy of that market where you know a a meltdown a world war or you're you know an international conflict on the other side of the world has a massive impact on my portfolio, yeah. which is bonkers to me, as opposed to a real estate complex at a, you know, a physical asset where I can drive down the street and touch it. People still have to, you know, live there. They need a place to keep their stuff. And yeah. inflation is actually, you know, can be beneficial to that asset class. It's a lot more in my, even though, you know, it's passive, it's still a lot more in our control. It's in our backyard. It's, it's, it's something that worldwide forces 
you know, they can impact us in the interest rate conversation, but they're not not to the same level that it can wipe out half of your 401k value yeah. you know, two years before you were planning on retiring. Yeah, and that's what I'm afraid of is people that were planning to retire this year uh, and then now they find that their 401k has shrunk, uh, you know, 20 or 30% or even more. And right. it's like, okay, well, I guess I have to work a little bit more or, you know. Right. Yeah, so or that volatility, that unpredictability. Yeah, you know, we had an amazing bull run the last ten years. Right. But if, if unless you sold at the top, you got you got hammered like the, everybody else. Yeah. And that just doesn't happen in that in that same kind of massive way when we're talking about solid, cash flowing operational real estate assets. Yeah. And there are ways to in the stock market. To, to make money in all kinds of situation. You can make money on the way up. That's the easiest one. That's why people were investing so much in the last 10 years because the stock market it didn't matter where you threw your dart. It was going to go up. So you, everybody feels like, oh, I'm a stock market genius. Everybody, right? And uh, now on the way down, you can still make money on the way down, but you have to know how. And uh, this is kind of like where the lack of knowledge the lack of information is, um, you know, is critical here. And most people don't have it. Most people have, they just bought the stock and, you know, it went up and they made money and they pay their capital gains and they're happy. But, right. um, you but know, the there's a lot working, more to it than that. It, it really is. And the person who's working a typical nine to five and yeah. they're just putting money into their 401k or their IRA, um, you know, th th yeah, they, they could go watch some YouTube videos. They could go get some books and learn about how to do you know, margin buying, option buying, shorting, but that's just, I mean, it's asking a lot for the average investor who doesn't, you know, that's not their, you know, their specialty. That's not their you know, yeah. primary interest. So yes, you can make a lot of money in a down market, um, but it does take specialized knowledge where exactly beyond what we typically would need in a real estate discussion. Exactly. So I think exactly in the, in the stock market, I mean, it seems pretty simple and you buy, oh, I like this company and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just going to buy the stock, but it's a little bit, it's more than that. Uh, and you have to have more knowledge in order for you to make money on the way up and on the way down and managing cash and all that, as opposed to real estate. I, real estate is still very simple. Um, and the numbers are very simple. There's no options. Well, there are kind of, but there are no real ob like call options or put options or anything like that that uh, that you would do with these uh, these assets. So it's pretty um, it's pretty down to earth, pretty simple. And like you mentioned earlier too, like you're in control. You're fa fairly in control of what's going on. You have to deal with you know some external variables like inflation, interest rate, and all that kind of stuff. But it tends to be pretty localized and something that you can act on to make it make it better sometimes. Right. And that localized aspect, yeah, yeah we, 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 sure, you know, global forces can impact us in those in those interest rate discussions, you know, overall job market healthiness. Um, but when we're buying, when you know, we pick our markets that we buy in for very specific reasons, these are strong job growth, population growth areas. Uh, that aren't, you know, that aren't going to be impacted by a massive outflow of population or a massive, you know, layoff scenario that could, you know, really significantly impact vacancy. And so that 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 localized aspect where you can be really specific and where, you know, and, and intentional and in where you buy these assets allows you to be, you know, allows a high level of insulation from yeah. the, the the global forces out there that yeah, are yeah. so impactful on the, on the on the stock scene. Yeah. 
So in your commercial real estate, the, the type of asset that you, you chose that you're investing in or raising capital for are the, the retail and hospitality, like hotels, motels, and that kind of stuff. And uh, oh, does that include also like restaurants as well? So just to correct that a little bit, most yeah. of what we buy now, and in my experience in the last five years, has been apartment complexes. Oh, okay. Oh, so you, okay. okay. Yep. So I've had experience, you know, when we built that hotel uh, and, and, and renovated a couple other hotels that included some, uh, you know, retail and and, and, and food elements, um, those were fun. But I, re yeah. you know, realized and learned those are, you know, highly up highly involved operationally um, and, and, you know, a little bit more volatile as well. Apartment yeah. complexes is now is my primary focus. We also have deals that we do in self-storage and mobile home parks. So okay. those are like our three primary asset classes. Okay. That's that. So that's interesting. Yeah. Because my next question was kind of around like, you know, how's, how's that going? How's the retail <laughs> space going and how hospitality as we head into uh uh, you know, high inflation, potentially a recession and all that. These are right. the that people are going to cut. But OK, yep. so self-storage, mobile home parks. These are these are very good in apartment building. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, kind of like uh, maybe mobile home park. We haven't talked too much about that and uh, self-storage. These two are kind of uh, a little bit, uh, I would say, kind of like the People don't talk too much about that. People, do, so what? What are kind of like the specific characteristics of these these types of asset class? Why are you attracted to so, um, self storage and mobile home park? Yeah, so it's you know the, for the, our first time investors that are placing money in a syndication. Um, there's a new it's a new concept for them, a new investment class for them. We we see that most of them will lean towards the apartment complexes, but after they get comfortable with this idea of you know you know investing in private real estate opportunities as opposed to the stock market, we expose them to the mobile home park opportunities and the self storage, and show those potential returns and why we like those asset classes. With these end up being really popular with our with our investors. So talking about inflation on uh, for one, yeah. inflation means rent prices rental rates go up. In an apartment complex, you you have the opportunity to reset rents once a year. Generally, when that lease expires, a year most renters have a year long lease. At the end of that lease, you have an opportunity to uh, increase the rent. In self storage, that's monthly, so you can you can price real time based on what's going on in that market around you. And so, in an inflationary environment, right like what we've got right now, are we we're seeing our rental rates on our self storage portfolios increase on a monthly basis, where we're able to keep pace pace with that. Uh -huh. And so that that rental rate reset window is really attractive for self-storage. Um, and then both for self-storage and mobile home parks, you know, a lot of attention had got driven into the apartment complexes and it's coming into self-storage, but it's not there yet. We, it's still a, a market that's, I, I mean, the last number I read was something like 75% of those self-storage properties are operated by mom and pop. Yeah. local investors wow. it's not very institutionalized wow. and so you're finding these deals where people are running these you know really nice you're really well positioned i wouldn't say nice but well positioned as far as their location properties yeah. but they're doing it off of a notebook yeah. <laughs> i wow. mean you'd be lucky if they you'd be lucky to find if they have an excel spreadsheet i mean they're doing little literally paper receipts and collecting cash and checks every wow. month and chasing down renters and so you get an opportunity to they're to probably living on site as well right i mean the, <laughs> yes the you see a lot of that as well an yeah. owner operator living right there on, on on the property yeah and so there's so much efficiency upside yeah to, to 
go buy a property like that, you know, paint it, systematize it, um, give people the opportunity to rent, to lease and pay their rents without ever meeting in person. Yeah. Um, which, which it's, it's, you know, is amazing. And so you can, you can increase the operational efficiencies, uh, dramatically, um, with, with those types of properties. Um, yeah, the thing too is that the self storage too. You have to finding the rates is a little bit, uh, you know, for apartment buildings. I mean, I can go on rentometer, and I can find kind of like all the, you know, it's pretty easy to find what the rent is around for and what I should rent my apartment for. But for um, for self storage, it's a little bit more complicated. How right. do you do that? Yeah, it's, it really is. You're you're running. You've got you know this property that's got 200, 200 units. Um, you 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 can you're all, we're always keeping track of what the competition is doing, what the uh, inventory and, and and availability is like around us. Um, but we're you know we're we're playing with those rates on a regular basis. We're yep. never shooting for a hundred percent occupancy 100 percent occupancy would mean we priced it too low so yeah. you're you're aiming for this 90 95 percent rate and that gives you this uh occupancy rate and this gives you these these units to play with every month do we go up five dollars is, is it taking us too long to rent these ones out and then you can adjust on uh, literally on a monthly basis to see how these um you know what how how the market is responding yeah. um so it really is you know market driven on a on a on a real-time basis yeah. So do you, would you say that this is a little bit uh, more active management that you have to do on these properties compared to uh, an apartment building? In a sense. So so cell storage is, you know, the, a little bit more active. But again, you can you can you know, we've got systems in place where yeah. you can lease this property, access it, pay the monthly rent without yeah. ever meeting anybody on site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that, you know, when it comes to an apartment complex, of course, everybody wants a tour. Um, if, if the toilet doesn't work, you know, it's, it's very personal. Um, uh, if there's a little, whatever it's any little issue, you know, those, that's people's yeah. lives and comfort. And so you've got to deal with that quickly. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's, so there's kind of give and take. Yeah, uh, that's right. Sure. So I think I, yeah, on the operation side of it, yeah, I mean, definitely you can automate, especially when you take it from a mom and pop shop, there's a way to automate a lot of the process for leasing, you know, everybody can, you can give them access remotely. You can look at, they can say, Oh, I want to have this locker. You can set up the payment and all that kind of stuff uh, remotely without right. ever, you know, you know, talking to them, seeing them and whatnot. So, exactly. so this is great. This is definitely great. Uh, on and, the other hand, I think I was thinking in terms of management of the, the rent occupancy and all of that, it sounds, it's a sounds like it's a little bit more like uh almost like a, a mark like more like a market you have to kind of like a very competitive market where you have to constantly look for what's my competition doing what's my rate doing and then kind of play around with uh, with your rates on a regular basis right and it, it, you know a lot of that can be automated with the, with our with the with the software um yeah. but it, it is you know you definitely get to keep tabs what's going on in the market the only property we've seen um that, that struggled was um suburb of atlanta and when we bought the property there were no other self-storage units in uh, around and within within six months of buying it there, there was some some bigger players some of the names that we all have heard of yeah. at this point decided to come in and build some properties and all of a sudden you know rents collapsed in, uh -huh. uh, in the market um and so you know those are things that can can impact us yeah. um when all of a sudden there's a, a in you know massive influx of uh, capacity yeah. um 
so those are the things that we're, we're you know watching for and, and and looking out for but it is really you know it is um constantly keeping tabs on what's going on and again you know that that happens in the apartment complexes as well because mm-hmm. those those rents are you know in response to occupancy levels and market competition you know what's what's the going rate in this neighborhood who's what what employers have opened up or laid off and those things so it, it is it's just um, a little bit slower it seems than uh than self storage which seems to be more active yeah in, in, in some elements i'll say i'll def, i'll say there's some give okay. and take yeah no, that's fair. And then uh, the uh, the nice thing about the self storage too that I've heard is that you can also offer uh, additional services. I know some people are doing like truck rental, they're doing packing, right. they're doing shipping, uh, yeah. you know, and they offer all these services uh, to their customers. Yes, yeah, so you get those ancillary uh, services as well, much like in apartment complexes, you can make some decent money off of. The vending machines, the the, yeah. the laundry machines is what I meant to say there. Um, you know, in, in in the self storage side, yep, yeah, you know, having the U haul trucks and the and the boxes and those you know moving services can be can be really lucrative as well and help with the yeah. with the cash flow. So yeah. let's talk about the mobile home park. So um, this is a space that I looked at a uh, long time ago, uh, but I never really. I never really pulled the trigger on those on those things. I decided to start with single family rentals and then apartment buildings and all that. Uh, so tell me more about that space. What are some of the the, the nice characteristics or the pros and cons of uh, mobile home park compared to apartment buildings? Yeah. Uh, so again, it's you know it's, the vast majority of the market is still run by local mom and pop type operators. I mean, you know, we say mom and pop, but it just in that sense, just me and again, just people who yeah. have not updated systems. They're they're running it off of their you know, you know their yellow legal pad kind of kind of kind of a setup. Um, they generally have you know we see a lot of these are the land is in really prized prime area, um, and, and the you know stuff is built up around them. So they're sitting on this nice land. So one, the land itself is, is valuable. Two, the operations of it are are really simple. Um, you know we generally are. The, the 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 renters have um they're bringing their own trailer we're not looking to be um the, in the business of owning and renting the, the the trailers themselves we just want to rent the 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 space the the, yeah. the, piece the of land, land set up on yeah. and so you know we're providing the the property and the the electrical and the water hookups and from there on out, it's pretty well hands off. You know, we've got you know on-site teams that are going to go and mow the mow the community areas, um, and take care of the the general landscaping of the you know the the, the, the common areas. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's really pretty simple to run. And yeah. these are very stable tenants; they don't move. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a heck of an ordeal to move a trailer. And yeah. so they find they find a place they like, they put that trailer on there, and they stay put. Yeah. And so these are very again stable occupancy um, type type properties. So it, again, it's, it's a those can tend to be a little bit more um, more passive yeah. and um, you know predictable, stable, and the, 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 you know, buying these deals in um, you know in in these you know they, you don't have a lot of these being built anymore. Cities don't really like you know appro- approving these properties. So there is limited supply, yeah. but a lot of them were built, you know, decades ago. And since then, nice neighborhoods have been built up around them. And so yeah. again, there's, a, there's a long-term aspect to these two, where there's going to be, could be opportunities for uh, future development too. Yeah. When I lived in, uh, 
San Francisco Bay Area, I was I was getting interested in uh, mobile home parks and all of that, and um, and I was just like, then I started looking around, and there's they had mobile home parks in like prime prime land prime location right there in silicon valley uh uh, close to the ocean and i was like oh my god that piece of land is worth so much money it's just unbelievable yes Uh, they've been around for so long and then the uh you know and then yeah you're right i mean other developments are kind of uh, happening around it you know multi-million dollar houses close to a mobile home park right it's phenomenal it, it really is i mean so I, I live in boise now and we see that we see it here as well i mean i don't know the last time there was a new one developed here in town but yeah you go downtown and right there and you know just outside of the skyscrapers there's there's an rv park and a mobile yeah. home park wow. um we, we moved here from austin right there next to, to zilker park is a, is a pretty bit large rv and mobile home park yeah it's it's incredible and, you know that, that just the land value there itself is gets you gets you salivating a little bit yeah yeah when you don't think about it i mean you just uh or when you start looking at a particular space a particular investment and then you then you see it everywhere you realize wow this is this is everywhere i never you never saw some some of these spaces and all of a sudden you uh, you realize that they're there they were there all along yes so it's kind of interesting those can be really lucrative. And and yeah. I would say we, we haven't done as many of those deals. They are a little hard to find, um, you know, with, with our, with our investors, you know, they, they wonder, well, what I live there is that the kind of stuff do I want to put my dollars into, you know, so it's they're, they're, those haven't been as popular for us as self-storage and, and mobile home parks. Um, yeah. But we've done on the deals that we have done in that space. We've uh, we've done really well by our, by our investors and yeah. definitely uh, we'll continue to pursue those opportunities. So, Brad, if someone is interested, is starting to, uh, they, they like these some of these spaces, maybe they like self-storage, maybe they have like mobile home park, or they more like, you know, they're just new, they want to get started in apartment building or something like that. Uh, so what's, how do you recommend that they, they get started uh, doing that? Yes, I mean, I guess the first question somebody has to ask themselves is whether they want to be the active operator or they like the idea of being the passive investor. Is that that's number one yeah. it's you know all these things that we've been talking about all these details and the the you know watching the competition the the monthly lease or yearly re- uh, resets that's all handled by the operator and the on-site property management yeah. behind all those teams are all the passive investors who simply put money in, into the deal and would will reap rewards from having participated and who will never have to make a management decision or an operational decision for the life of the project yeah so it really is, you know, first determining where you want to sit. If it's, we most of these deals are open only to accredited investors, some of them are open to non-accredited. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you know these people who have got money already accumulated, ready to invest. So they're doing, they're busy, they've done well in their own professions, and mm-hmm. now they they like the idea of owning a real estate, but don't want to deal with the operations of it. Mm-hmm. So the the passive role can be really attractive. Um, for and, and I'd say in both scenarios. It's you know, even if you want to go the active route, which was what I first intended to do. Yeah, I I connected with an operator there in 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 Austin. Uh, actually, it was Dallas based, but we met in Austin, and I participated as a limited partner, so passive investor in in one of his deals because I wanted to learn how do these things work. I wanted to see the presentation, I wanted to see the operations, I wanted to see the communications, 
And um, so I went in as a, as a, you know, did the minimum investment uh, on that deal. I learned a lot from that deal. And it's the one, one, it's the only one of my passive investments that went horribly wrong. (laughs) My, my, my very first one, Um, but so many valuable lessons learned. So I'm able to take that as I'm meeting with potential investors explaining, you know, why we choose the markets we do, the operators we do, the deals that we do. Um, but it was, you know, so valuable to me um, to, to have that limited partner, uh, passive investor type of experience, even before I started, you know, looking at potentially going the active route. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's that's one where I consider my value add is I can, you know, if, if somebody is first looking into this space, wants to get, you know, okay, I've, you know, they've been in the stock market, they're looking at the idea of uh, potentially getting into the syndication space. My whole role is to just simply educate. Um, and then connect with operators that I know do really well by their investors and then present those to my, to my investors. Yeah, I think this is great advice too. Like, you know, you have to decide if this is, you want to be, you see this as, oh, I really like you know, the real estate piece of it, the active participation in, in managing and modifying a piece of property to, to, for its highest and best use and maximize profit. Is this something that interests you? Or for you, this you want to basically, this is just an investment. It's, you know, you want to have a piece here and a piece there and a piece, and diversify that way, um, and you know, continue to do your job and uh, and do it that way. So I think yeah. there's a component of that. Like, this is something that really interests you to do the active management of these projects, and uh, or not. You're just thinking of it as an investment, right? And, and yeah, so as I meet with somebody, you as pot- potential investors, and you know, a, a lot of my investors are business owners, they're doctors and lawyers, and they they want the 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 investment upside and the tax benefits of owning real estate, but they have no interest in in, in managing and syndicating. Yeah. So that's a great fit. Yeah. You know, I, and I've got friends in the space who are you know they they do a lot of land deals and they do um, you know really creative finance deals in real estate. That's not people I'm going to really spend time pursuing <laughs> as far as potential investors because they're close to it. They're active. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they love their flipping business. Uh, you know, they're, 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 that's not really the, the, the type of people that you know, really want to cede control by just placing money in, passively into a deal. And so mm-hmm. it really is, you know, again, where people's mindset is and their interest levels. Yeah, exactly. So what is the minimum, the typical minimum investment that you have for your uh, for your syndications? Generally, if it's a, if we're talking about a single asset, meaning we are all coming together to buy uh, an apartment complex at one, two, three Elm Street, those type of deals, we we see the minimum is roughly around is generally around fifty thousand okay. dollars. Okay. We also do funds where we have you know we're gonna in, inside of this fund we're gonna put ten different apartment complexes across the country into this fund, and each of the investors are going to own a slice of each one of those assets inside of that fund. Yeah. Those fund levels bring some operational efficiencies and lower legal costs. And so we're able to lower the investment minimums okay. on those. And so, oh, we really? drop, okay. yeah. so we drop it down to 25,000 for those oh, funds. Okay. Well, it's very interesting. Uh, the um, And that's another advantage as well for uh, for someone that, you know, that is trying to decide what they want to do. If you have like, you know, three or $400,000, and then the amount of money you have and say, well, I want to invest, I want to be the uh, the active investor in an apartment building. Then that money that you have, the two or $300,000 is going to constrain unless you find other partners to uh, to help you out. 
that's going to constrain the type of apartment that building that you're going to buy, the size, the location, and maybe the renovation budget if you're going to do like uh, any kind of uh, of rehab. So, right. so these are all kind of components. But when you're looking at it from uh, from a syndication perspective, you have to do two or three hundred thousand dollars. You can go and say, well, I'm going to put a hundred thousand dollars here, fifty thousand dollars here, and now you have a portfolio of uh, of assets. Uh, and then you're just kind of like you're diversifying and you have you kind of minimize your risk also on your investment instead of, you know, active participation in one asset and driving that act in that 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 comment about being one asset. You know, you, you could take that three hundred, four hundred thousand, go put, you know, go buy a, a 30 unit apartment complex. A 30 unit apartment complex is going to be the same type of property manager who manages single family rentals and duplexes. Yeah. Um, you, you can't afford on-site management for those type of deals. And so yeah. you've got all your eggs in that in that basket right there. You're going to get those phone calls. You're going to get asked about the toilets and the HVAC. And what about this renter? And what about this sad, sad story about why this guy's late? You're going to get all of that when you're owning a 20, 30 unit complex. Yeah. And so, you know, in a syndication where you buddy up with with you know 20 or 20 you know 30 other investors on this deal you go buy a, a much larger asset or a pool of assets um you have the opportunity to diversify and, and make these deals you know these operations a bit more quite a bit more sophisticated as well yeah excellent well thank you very much thank you for um all all of this information uh if people want to reach out to you what's the best place for them to reach out to you yeah, the best place to connect and learn more about us, our my team, and uh, see the deals that we have available is on our website, sugarhouseinvestments.com. Uh, sugarhouseinvestments.com is, is where you can sign up for our email list and, and, and look at that article that you talked about, stocks versus yeah. real estate. But then as far as day-to-day -day interaction, I actually enjoy spending quite a bit of time on Twitter. There's phenomenal real estate conversations going on there. Mm -hmm. My handle there is just at Brad Shep. I'm on, I'm on there most days. Okay. Around on real commercial real estate discussion. So happy oh, to connect as well. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Brad. So make thank sure you, you like and subscribe for more of these fantastic interviews and uh, see you next week. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.